normally at this part of the service we would uh, interview somebody about something that's happening at Christchurch, um, something in the life of the church, but as part of this uh, series of looking at fruitfulness in the front line, uh, we're having a look at um, people who are part of the congregation, but actually looking at what they do outside of church. Um, and Chris very kindly last minute volunteered to, um, to share a little bit about what, what you do outside of church. Um, so you could tell us a little bit uh, about your experience and what you do now and, and what you'll be doing when you, when you go back to work on Tuesday. Okay. Um, um, I've noticed that uh, Ed has said the word little bit twice. So, <laughs> so he knows me, you see. Uh, I, I work as a hospital chaplain. So I work in Whiston Hospital over in Prescott. Um, so I get to pay to cross the bridge every, every day, well, four days of week. And, uh, and it's my privilege to be able to serve the hospital community there in, uh, in Whiston uh, as, as, a, as a Christian chaplain. And uh, so come Tuesday morning, I will... Be- Tuesday because um, I was working Saturday, so I've got <laughs> today off and tomorrow. But uh, come Tuesday, I'll be um, I'll be logging onto the computer and I'll be seeing who has been brought in over the weekend and if there's been uh, any requests for support or help. And then I'll make up my lists and then I'll begin to make my way around the wards to begin talking to people who are uh, in need of a little bit of support. Right. Yeah, I've got to be careful. Chris is my future father-in-law, so I can't, I can't challenge him too much on how much he says. <laughs> yeah. um, great. I mean, you, you've, you've spoken at, uh, at worship at seven last term, and I suppose you told us a little bit about, about your experience as a hospital chaplain. Um, but when we sort of throw out this t- catchphrase, sort of fruitfulness on the front line, um, what does that look for for you? How, how does your faith sort of work in an environment where obviously you know, some people are looking for, for, for spiritual stuff, but some people are just looking for someone to chat to? What, is, what does that look like? I, I think um, I, I, whenever I turn up at the side of somebody's bed and I've got my collar on and they're, they're coming out of... Um, out of anesthetic or something, and they look up and they see me. Uh, I've been greeted with the words, was it that bad? <laughs> so I've got to, I've got to say, I've, I've got to negotiate my way, and I've got to find permission to be able to draw alongside people. So for me, it's, it, it's, a, it's a process. I, I, I recognize that people are in a vulnerable place, and I'm the one person in their whole life who they can say, no, I don't want you. Clear off. Uh, everybody else turns up with needles and sharp things and, uh, and medication, and, and they need them. Whereas for me, they have to figure out, do I really want this person here? And so for me, I, I, I negotiate a process. And One gentleman said to me, he says, oh, he says, I'm not religious. And I sort of looked at him and he says, well, that's a good thing, sir, because neither am I. And, uh, and he goes, all right, you can stay. And, and I says, why is that? He says, well, he says, you're a bit like an old sergeant major, aren't you? He says, nothing's going to shock you, is it? You've pretty well much heard it all. And I thought, actually, he's right. I, I have pretty well much heard it all. And, and, and that realm goes from 
pastoral support. Some folks are in a place where they just need a, somebody to hear their story. They just need somebody to share how they're feeling or vulnerable or, or concerned or the process that has happened in their treatment. For other people, they, they need spiritual support. And they're having a real time of trying to figure out who they are and where they are in their existence. And, and, and they need uh, to be able to sound out how they can begin that process of connecting to and finding the help and the support that they need from. And maybe they might not be able to put a word to it, but a, a God figure or, or a, a someone figure. And, and, and I gently present the options and, and try to represent Christ and, uh, and His love. And, and I realize as I step along the side of every person that they are loved intimately and passionately by Jesus. And, and I realize that that's a privilege that, I, that, that, that we worship a God and a Savior who has his scars. He, he was brutalized, and, and, and he knows what it's like to feel vulnerable, and he knows what it's like to feel scared. And, and as a Christian minister, I recognize Christ in those who are in need. And it's my privilege to be able to minister just a little bit of the love of God to those who are vulnerable and to give back to Christ some of what he's given to me. So fruitfulness for me is to be able to just show the love of God to another human being who just needs a little word of loving comfort and a word in season about the love of God that is there for them. Great, fantastic. Thank, thank you, Chris. I suppose you've already touched it a little bit. So, is there one sort of like particularly sort of encouraging thing you see at work, and also the sort of thing particularly challenging that, that you that you see in sort of your, your ministry? The the, the I'll go it the other way around. The challenging thing is, I never know what I'm going to encounter. I, I don't know from patient to patient to patient. But believe it or not, every single one of you is unique, and your narrative, the story that makes up your life, is unique. And the encounters and the situations that you've faced, it's just personal to you. And, and how that unfolds in the, in the years to come is, 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 is down to this moment and how you project that into the future. So, so I, I just don't know where the conversation's going. I just don't know how it's going to, to, to move. And, and I just have to approach each bedside with a prayer that says, please God, please don't let me be out of my depth in this situation. And remember, you're the one who called me here, so don't let me down. <laughs> and, and after 10 years, well, eight years of, nine years of doing this, he hasn't, not once. And, I, and I'm always amazed to discover God's fingerprints over people, people who you wouldn't suspect. God's had his hand on so many people, and you find that he's touched their lives, and you're just able to mirror that, reflect it back, and, and let them talk it through and see that actually, you know, God's been a blessing to me. And so that's, my, that's, that's the, the challenging bit. And the blessing bit. The challenging is, I don't know what I'm going to face. The blessing bit is, God shows up and he chooses to bless. And, uh, and I'm, I'm grateful for that because we can't do this on our own. We need all the help we can get from him. Good morning. 
The reading today is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. So I don't do this um, full-time. I'm a a, a part-time vicar in my own time, and I work for the local authority in Cheshire East during the day. Uh, my nine-to-five job, which sometimes isn't nine-to-five. It was one of those days where it wasn't nine-to-five, and I was um, tired, cross, um, and I had an evening meeting, and I hadn't got enough time to eat, so I went for my standard solution when this happens, which is to to park the car down one of the back streets by uh, Bridge Street and go to Nando's for uh, chicken with hot sauce, spicy rice, and coleslaw, which is obviously the staple when this thing happens. Um, So I got got to, to... to the pavement just outside Nando's and I was about to sort of go to the door and I was just conscious of somebody to my left shoulder uh, and it was obviously going quicker than me so I just stepped aside just rather than go into the shop to let that person pass. Anyway, that person turned out to be a runner who was followed by another runner and then another runner and then another runner and then seven more runners and then ten more runners and I was like getting crosser and more cross as the time went on uh, as these runners went past me. And then the last few scragglers, I thought, well, I might just be able to push in front of the last two scragglers rather than be sat on the table because they were between me and my meal and I do get hangry, I will tell you. Uh, um, uh, to discover the last two runners was uh, Lydia uh, uh, from Christchurch waving happily at me uh, uh, as an associate vicar here at Christchurch. And I thought, I need to check myself on my attitude sometimes. Uh, <laughs> when I think I'm not in Christchurch mode. Um, This sermon series uh, is about what is uh, your front line and our attitude to people on our front line. We're following this book by Mark Green. It's available from Eden Books and all the booksellers if you'd like to follow it. Um, And we're spending two Sundays on each topic. Uh, um, So this topic is on uh, modeling godly character that I'm going to be talking to us about this morning, and then we're going to look at this again next Sunday with a bit more of an extended interview uh, and a video that goes with the book as a resource to help us think about it. So I'm going to introduce to you today this topic of modeling godly character. Um, I'm going to look at three things. Firstly, um, what is character? Secondly, uh, a character in Christ. And thirdly, character assassination. So firstly, what do we mean by godly character? Let's just remind us of the core of our passage from the letter to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, 
and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. This is not the only list of virtues within the Bible. We get similar lists in Romans, in the letter to Corinthians, in Philippians, in James, in 1 and 2 Peter. But they're all similar in focusing on character. Character as opposed to personality. In the New Testament, we know a lot about different people's character. We actually know nothing about their personality. We don't know, for example, if Thomas was dour. We don't know if Ephratus was funny, if Elizabeth was shy. But we do know about Thomas's courage. We do know about Euphratus persevering. And we do know that Elizabeth was upright in character. So what the New Testament and what we're talking about here is character, not whether you're playful or whether you're serious, whether you're an extrovert or whether you're an introvert. We're talking about that aspect of who you are that comes through faith and love as we are led forward to a godly character. Character can play a very important part in how you deal with people on your front line. For me, my front line is working uh, in Cheshire East Council. Um, and something about being in a work places you in a, in a structure of a large organization, Cheshire East, um, where we, um, you have to get along and interact with the people in that structure, whoever they are, um, which can cause issues and can give you uh, um, real insights to different people's character. I've seen the good and the bad, and I'm sure I have been the good and the bad in my role. I'm a contracts manager, basically, which means um, I manage, uh, uh, well, increasingly large contracts um, to deliver services. Um, And I really struggled to start with, having been a full-time vicar, what it meant to be uh, a Christian contracts manager. Because, see, the point of being a contracts manager, as far as many people are concerned, is that you're nasty and you're hard and you get the best out of your contracts and that you really seem to be, you know, forceful on these contractors uh, to get the best price. Um, And I made a lot of mistakes. I sent stupid emails which did not, uh, um, you know, I I wish I could have sucked back into the ether uh, in, in trying to get things things done um, that were not of godly character. I went into meetings that uh, I I am not proud of uh, the way that I uh, approached trying to get the best deal in some of those uh, uh, meetings. I've been on the receiving end of things the other way. I've been on the receiving end of abuse and bullying and, and, and other things that are not of godly character within a work environment. But just occasionally, somebody says something and you think, perhaps I'm not that bad. A conversation with a portfolio holder who said, just at the end, you know, I wish I could have what you have, a faith in God. 
Somebody just out of the blue, and I still can't really receive the compliment and don't really believe them. But they said, do you know what? You are the nicest person in Cheshire East Council. I'm sure I'm not the nicest person in Cheshire East Council. But at that moment, I must have exhibited some little glimmer of some niceness uh, um, that, 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 that they picked upon. What is your front line? How are you focusing on um, how you are interacting with others that speaks of God? When somebody has given you a glimpse of their godly character, are you able to point it out to them? Our example of godly character is Jesus. And it's worthwhile taking a check on what we think godly character is by looking at the life of Jesus Sometimes he wasn't nice. His life was far from pain-free. He faced struggles as he set his face to what he knew would be his death on the cross in obedience with his father. He made a whip to throw out the money changers from the temple He insulted the Pharisees, calling them a brood of vipers. He shocked the establishment by eating and drinking with tax collectors and allowing a woman to wash the road dirt from his feet with her hair. This is godly character. Godly character, don't misunderstand me, will lead you into loving actions. But it's more than being nice. It's about faithfulness. It's about knowing the heart of our Father as we get to know him in relationship through the Holy Spirit. It's about obedience to that calling that is often tested in times when we are under pressure and we are not our best on the front line. Godly character then. Secondly, a character in Christ. Rosie, if I can have the next one, thanks. In verse 15 of chapter 3, it says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful When the Bible talks about peace, it means wholeness. When we say peace be with you, we mean that wholeness that God created you to be, be with you. That completeness that God makes you be with you and be thankful. Do you know what a telephone voice is? not sure many people have telephone voices anymore. It used to be the way in which you would speak very clearly and in a posher accent than is your own in order that people on the other end of the telephone could hear exactly what you were saying. Um, but it often sounded very false. Vickers particularly are accused of having vicar voices uh, from the tunt. There's a, uh, in their defense, uh, uh, there's a reason for that, in that before all these microphone things were uh, uh, invented and normal in churches, you were taught um, in, a, in a drama way, you actually had a, a voice coach from a drama teacher, to project your voice to the back of these big buildings without the need for sound systems. Um, and particularly in some of the older churches and cathedrals where they're very echoey, you have to speak in a very slow and 
clear way in order for people to hear you, um, which modern sound systems uh, remove by having an echo and a delay on the speakers as they go down, which removes it. Uh, um, but, but that's why people and vicars had vicar voices, so that they would say things very clearly. Um, and that's why, incidentally, most of the original liturgy was sung, uh, because you could hear it within the cathedral uh, if it was sung, rather than the echo of it being spoken, um, and they would have lost it. I really struggled when I first stuck on the dog collar in um, how I should be. Um, because when you stand up as a Christian, it doesn't have to be just in the dog collar um, or in your, your role uh, that God has called you to. Uh, um, I really struggled in, in um, taking on people's expectations of what a vicar should be. You know, what sort of car a vicar should drive. Um, you know, what, what, what a vicar ought to do in their free time to enjoy themselves. Um, you know, driving a two-seater sports car and going to the cinema rather than going to Silent Retreat didn't really fit with people's understanding of vicars who should have been growing rhubarb in their large vicarage gardens. I shocked somebody in Burton, I, I apologize to them publicly, um, who had tended Burton's rhubarb when I was vicar of Burton and wanted to pass it on so that Burton's rhubarb could now be in the vicarage garden. And it's like, thank you very much, but I hate rhubarb. (laughs) And I'll probably kill it. (laughs) There's a danger of us pretending, of trying to be a character that we are not. And it's destructive. It causes stress. I know it made me hit the wall the first time as a vicar of trying to be somebody that God has not called me to be or somebody that I am not yet in his sight um, and pretending to be somebody. Same as a contracts manager. I don't have to be the big guru contracts manager. I can negotiate um, in in a good way um, without taking on all these negative perceptions of what it needs to be to be a contracts manager when I'm at work. What does it mean to be um, who God intended you to be on your front line? I don't want this morning to be about piling on guilt when we look at that list. You are free in Christ. The passage says that you are clothed in righteousness. We need to be clothed because underneath we're not righteousness yet. We're a work in progress. It's not about pretending or trying to be somebody you're not. Yet sometimes we meet people, in this room I meet people, who show a glimpse of a godly character. They might not even recognize it themselves yet. Encourage somebody if you spot it. Help them to see how God is changing them, not in their own strength. The good news is that being of godly character It's not about what you can do. It's about opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit who can change you and heal you and bring you forward from the inside. It's about a life focused on Christ and his plan for you that will change you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, we become new creations That's a fact. We can't do it for ourselves. When you receive Christ, you become new creations. The Holy Spirit works on you 
And whether you recognize it or not, if you are following Christ, you are being changed to be more like Jesus. Don't pretend then. Don't take this list of virtues as a huge weight on you that you have to manufacture and act into. Understand that you are on a journey, that you are changed through Christ and focus on his spirit leading you forward. Finally then, character assassination. Although we can't model godly character in our own strength, the Bible does say that as the Holy Spirit prompts us, there are things that we need to take and steps that we need to take for ourselves. In Galatians chapter 5:24 it says, "Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its pleasures and desires." When we open ourselves up to the Spirit and when the Spirit prompts us, we can be made aware of those elements of our sinful nature that still hold us back, that still trip us up. Galatians goes on to list a list of behaviors in contrast to the virtues that we were looking at before. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. That is the contrast with the virtues of Godly's character that we begin with. The clothing yourselves in righteousness, in kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other, forgiving as the Lord forgave you, and to put on love which binds them all perfect in unity. Um, that rather nasty uh, uh, picture um, is uh, 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 showing a, 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 a one person going through sort of a, 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 a tension between two states of being. Our, 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 our former life, which we, we, we have put down, but we still trips us up in our sinful nature. Um, and in the, the life we are being transformed to in the, in the virtues that uh, are described in the letter to Colossians. Um, I used to do a very cheesy sketch when I was in university, when I became a Christian. Um, me and, a, and, the, and the president of the CU got it down to an absolute art. Um, it was called the Alan West sketch. I looked for it on the, on the internet. I can't find it. It must have been so bad, nobody's ever even bothered to put it onto the Google and, uh, and onto the internet. Um, but it was trying to do that in a very cheesy way. It was, trying, it was trying to show the two different sides and the struggle that sometimes we have as our sinful nature chips us up as we strive uh, to follow what the Holy Spirit is doing uh, and the goodly, godly character. So I borrowed Ed in the, in the first thing just to, 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 to begin to, 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 uh, uh, to show you a, a little piece of it. But, but, but it, it was a lot of lines that you had to learn uh, and say absolutely at the same time, um, which we're not going to be able to do. But, uh, but we might this time be able to work out that you're, you're the good one and I'm the bad one, rather than, uh, <laughs> rather than both being the bad one, like we did the 930 service. Um, so it involved being, uh, being uh, tied together, which we did, uh, we did feet as well when I was in university, but um, I'll spare Ed that uh, humili- humili- humiliation. Um, 
So, uh, so the guy's name was Alan West, uh, and this is uh, Alan West uh, in, in his virtue, and this is Alan West in his sinful nature, um, and uh, basically fighting together. So uh, when we introduce ourselves, we say, one, two, three... I'm Alan West. No, I'm Alan West. And we'd fight to try and get uh, apart from this different nature. <laughs> yeah, he's heavier than me. <laughs> and then we, we'd go out and we'd try and find a victim uh, uh, somewhere. Uh, there we are. There's Denzel. Denzel looks like a good victim. <laughs> uh, and we, we'd introduce ourselves as, Hi, I'm Alan West. <laughs> And uh, while well, one person put out their hand to shake it, the other person would slap the person across the, uh, across the face, which uh, I have to say, at the University Student Union, did cause one guy, who was absolutely shocked, because we were all really uh, adrenaline pumped being, doing this in the University, of, uh, University Christian Union. Uh, we did this fighting, and we went to shake his hand, and I slapped the guy so hard around the face because I was so pumped. He was just so shocked that he'd come to a Christian event and been assaulted by somebody that was... <laughs> I say that cause just to say that it isn't all easy. Don't try and be somebody you're not. But equally, understand that as the Holy Spirit identifies things, that we might need help and we might need prayer as we try and put down some of these things that trip us up. I used to struggle when I became a, thinking about becoming a Christian, thinking that the Christian life would limit me with its do's and its don'ts. People react against Christianity. They call us hypocrites, mostly because we list a standard of living which, to be faced it, in this life, is pretty impossible for us to keep to without God's leading and without understanding that we are still marred by sinful nature and a work in progress and on a journey. They take this list of virtues and they try and make them negatives. A tender heart doesn't mean sentimentality. Being kind doesn't mean being a soft touch. Humility has nothing to do with low self-esteem. Meekness is not weakness. Tender-heartedness doesn't mean letting everybody walk all over you and do what they want. Godly character is experiencing the peace of God. That wholeness which you are created to be and to live life at its fullest. My fears of taking that step of faith and praying to Jesus that I repent and turn to you were unfounded. As I've taken each step, my life has become immeasurably more whole and more full as I followed Christ. I'm not saying it's always easy. Often it isn't as we hold ourselves up to try and follow Christ and his leading. I'm not saying you won't face opposition. 
But I am saying you will experience the fullness of your life could be as you grow to know and grow in relationship with your creator who knows you and draws you forward for what you were created to be. I'm pretty sure at the start of university with my insecurities that I probably wouldn't be standing here today if I hadn't become a Christian. I know I was contemplating taking my life at the beginning of university and was very depressed. You don't have to have a sob story to become a Christian. Many people, you know, have found Christ uh, and, and have grown up in Christ and, and gone from strength to strength. But I know in my life that without Christ, I'm not even sure I would be standing here today. In conclusion then, character is not about personality. It's about being God-centered. It's not about pretending or having the weight of guilt of trying to do it in our own strength. It's about living a life open to and focused on the Holy Spirit. It's about allowing the Spirit to transform us to be more like Christ in his time, in his leading It's about the fullness that comes from knowing and receiving that wholeness of the peace of Christ. And it's about helping and working with one another as the Spirit highlights things that hold us back in our sinful nature that we need help for, we need prayer for, we need to move past as they are highlighted to us. The passage finishes in verse 17 with these words. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Tom Wright is a theologian who's written a commentary on that, and he comments on that verse as a little test as to um, uh, what we are doing. He says this at the end on that verse. Whatever you do or say must be able to stand having the words written above it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do or say should be able to stand having the words written above it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sing again now, I think, uh, as the musicians come up on the page. As we're going to have a song of a little bit of time of reflection, can I, can I leave you with a couple of questions and a prayer? Can you think about somebody who has shown something of godly character to you over these last few weeks? And can you think about if you might be able to just uh, thank them or point them out, that out to them? Uh, encourage them by them seeing, you seeing something of God's character in them um, as you've known them. As we think about that fruit of the Spirit, is there a, is there a particular fruit or need that you would like uh, uh, or feel in need of right now that you'd like to think about?
So, uh, two things. Can, can, can you think of someone who has modeled or, 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 or shown godly character to you in, uh, that you know, and could you encourage them by, by actually voicing that to them, who may not recognize it for themselves? And thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, is there is a particular need for fruit that you have right now? I'm just going to finish with a prayer that um, Mark finishes this, this section of the book with. Father, thank you that you want me to become more like your son. Grant me the same desire. Forgive my cherishing ungodly thoughts, my persistence in ungodly actions, and work in me by your spirit that I might turn from the darkness of my sin and walk in the light of your grace to the glory made I was made to be.